Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. You are listening to episode 189 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Welcome to our show. I have a gift for you. So one of the questions that at times that I know many of my clients and my friends, they have in mind is that what kind of a lover are they? They kind of curious about how they show up in the bedroom. Sometimes it's awkward to ask your partner or sometimes our partners are not honest about how, how are we showing up. So we developed this quiz that helps you to assess what are some of the things that you're doing that's awesome and what are some of the areas of growth for you. If you are curious to take the quiz, the link is in the show note. It takes about five to seven minutes to complete, but you'll get the response right away. Today, you're listening to the first episode of a series we're doing on male sexuality. For next few weeks, that's all we're focusing on because one of my listeners a few months ago wrote me and said, oh, I, I really want to learn more about male sexuality. And he was telling me that we're not focusing on it enough. And since this is a show for you guys, I listened and I developed this series. Today, we're going to talk about core masculinity and how kind of connecting with that core masculinity can help you to show up differently in bedroom and in your relationship. In this series, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about erectile functioning. We have, we're going to talk about sex and trauma, all of those things that at times impact men in the bedroom. Our guest is G.S. Youngblood. He coaches men in relationships on how to leave, love, and lead from their masculine core. He specializes in nice guys who are with strong women. His teachings combine deep embodiment work with the framework of the masculine blueprint from his book, The Masculine in Relationship. You can find the link to his website and our show notes. Before I dive into the conversation, I wanted to thank betterhelp.com for supporting this show and this episode. If you are a therapist and you're looking to expand your practice, betterhelp.com is one of the easiest way to apply your clinical expertise online. If you don't wanna deal with the billing, insurance, finding referrals, all you need to do is sign up for them, the services with them, and they will take care of the, the parts that you're not necessarily super excited about. If you are thinking about signing up with them, visit betterhelp.com sexology and complete a brief application to get started. Again, that's betterhelp.com sexology. Here's my conversation with G.S. Youngblood. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am very excited and honored to have Mr. G.S. Youngblood on our show. G.S., welcome to our show. 
Thank you very much. It's great to be here. I am very excited about this conversation. As we were talking about it right before I hit recording, that that is an interesting and different approach. And I, I think it can be helpful for uh, many of my male clients and male listeners. It's interesting that we had Dr. Glover on the show a few months ago. And I got a number of emails from my male listeners that they were kind of struggling what he was presenting. And I know your book also, you were highlight those things. So I'm very excited to go deeper on this conversation. But in the book, you talked about that kind of the journey of how you arrived to this way of approach. Tell us, how did you get interested in this? Well, I learned through failure, which is often the catalyst for our biggest growth opportunities in our lives. And I was married for 10 years. It was a marriage that ended about 10 years ago and ended in a very difficult way. By the end of the marriage, I was just really trying to stay away from her anger and, you know, just keep the peace. And that actually ended up really driving her further away when we, when we men do things like that. And it was painful. And I came out of that marriage pretty broken and asked myself, you know, do, do I want to do this again? Is this really the path I want to go down? And I've, I vowed to myself to find a better way to be in a relationship. So I was lucky enough to get tied into a lot of the great resources here in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, the whole authentic relating crowd and, and, and that body of work, David Data's work around the masculine and feminine. And so for the last 12 years, I've been deep in that work. And for seven of those years, I was in a a long-term relationship with a woman who was very, very powerful and very feminine. And so it was a a day-to-day laboratory of trying out what I was learning, what I was experiencing, seeing what worked, seeing what opened her and what didn't. And then along the way was was really writing down notes to myself of everything and then finally uh, aggregated that into the book that, you, that, that we're talking about today. And that's how I got on the path. I, I do this so that other men can learn from my mistakes. They don't have to. And things can be better if you understand this masculine-feminine dynamic. And uh, if I can save one family from breaking apart, especially kids, kids are involved, then I feel very satisfied about the work I'm doing. Well, it's wonderful that this is something you've tried and you feel this this was a game changer for you because sometimes people kind of talk about theories and people don't know if it's something that it's, it will translate to their lives. So it's great that you're saying that you, you pivoted in your own life and things shifted. Yeah, everything in the book is something I've lived through. Everything in the book is very personal to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. So tell us about, you know, in the book, you talk about masculinity core in different, several places. So how do you define that? Yeah, we are in a time where men are, are largely turning into nice guys. And we want to keep the peace. We, you know, society at large tells us not to assert ourselves. as our own history of misogyny and, uh, you know, other bad behavior. And all that's true. We, men do have a, a history of this type of behavior. And unfortunately, the pendulum has swung so far that there's just so many nice guys out there. So w- the women are left just craving a man who's in his own power. And of course, guys want to be in their own power, but they don't know how. And I think that's where many men are left today. They don't know how to be. So they just want to be told, you know, they just, I constantly hear this from clients. You know, just tell me what to do. Tell me how I can do this. That's what the book is about. And within the book is a three-part blueprint for what I consider to be a masculine core. And the, the three elements of that blueprint are number one, respond versus react. And so this is a man who is cultivating his, the stillness that he manifests, the groundedness that he has in his life, his ability to live out of choice and intention from moment to moment 
rather than always just reacting to whatever stimuli are happening, whether that's, you know, uh, intensity at work or emotional intensity at home with this woman. So respond versus react. The second element is provide structure. And this is the quality of a man who he brings clarity, decisiveness. He simplifies things for, for those around him, uh, even while he's incorporating their needs. But he's creating some direction and structure in his life, in the, in the life with his woman together, and, and then even beyond that. The third element is create safety. So this refers to physical, financial, or emotional safety. And physical, financial, that's, you know, provider, protector. Uh, I don't end up talking about that a lot in this book. That's deferred to a sequel. But I do talk a lot about emotional safety. And, you know, my experience is that women open both their heart and their, and their body in relationship, of course, when they feel safe. Like it's the number one thing. It's not about buying her flowers or how good looking you are. It's how safe she feels at her core. And so I teach men how to do that, uh, you know, in the, in the third part of the blueprint. So it's those three elements, Dr. Mwali, that, that I consider to be what, what masculinity looks like. And any man can bring these qualities. It doesn't matter how tall you are. It doesn't matter how rich or smart or good looking you are. Any man can bring these qualities. And if he's with a, even a, just any, near, I won't say any woman, but if he's with a normal person, she's probably going to respond very positively to it. She's probably going to open her heart a little bit. And then coming back to the, to the nature of your podcast, that's when the body starts to open more, absent other factors, of course. But that's when you know her body starts opening to her partner in relationship when she feels safe, when she feels his masculine core. Well, thank you for sharing those points with us. And I think it was very interesting to read it because of my experience. And I know you explain it in the book as well. And it was very helpful because I'm coming from the place that and to me, the sexiest thing a man can do is like expressing vulnerability. It's mm-hmm. a, like a road go ongoing joke yeah. between my husband and I when we watch movies. It's like, oh, if this actor express more vulnerability, will come to your fantasies. So like that's number one sexy thing for me. And I know I'm not alone. There are many women that they think vulnerability is sexy. And when we think about masculine energy, that's not what comes up to people's minds. So tell us more about that. Yeah, this is this is a new model of masculinity. And when I say new, it's not that it never existed. It's just a mainstream, how we think about masculinity. In my view, this is just me sharing my view, worldview. The art of, mascul- of masculine presence is when you couple what I call the darker energies with the lighter energies. And basically what that means is you're coupling your assertiveness and, and other things that are related to that with heart. And the problem is most guys go into one or the other. So when you're all assertive, you're, you're an alpha male type. And that's where the misogyny starts to come in because it's like, I'm in charge and we're doing it my way. And I have no regard for your you know, needs and for your heart and for your vulnerabilities. He's not saying that, but that's really, that's really what's going on. And then you've got the other side, which is sort of the new age doormat nice guy, which is like, he's all heart and you know, it's all lovey-dovey. And in, in my personal experience, I can't speak for all women. I, I can speak for the sample set that I interact with. Both of those get pretty old pretty fast. You know, the, the alpha male, there's a certain attractiveness to it, right? Like I know a lot of guys that say, do I have to be an asshole to attract amazing women? Because I see these assholes with amazing women. And the problem is that a woman will put up with a lot to get a hit of a man who lives by his own code. And that's where you see the alpha male being successful with, with high quality women. But that's, it, it gets old after a while because at some point she can't feel his heart. She's, he's not feeling her heart. And then her heart starts to, to just shrink. And then you've got the nice guy, new age guy, who it's great for a while. It feels good. But at some point you're like, 
I'm kind of needing some backbone here. I just, you know, uh, you know, some women might say, I want somebody who's going to take me, you know, and wants to spank me on the ass and, and like take the charge. Of course, I'm not generalizing at all, but you know what I mean. How do you meld those two? Well, that's the art. And that's what I try to teach men both to be in their primal and in their heart. And when you put those two together, my contention is you are uniquely attractive to the woman in your life, to, you know, to your intimate partner. You are uniquely attractive. You don't need to be taller, better looking, richer, or smarter. What a wonderful message. Yes. Yes. And, I, and, and kind of like mastering, cultivating that balance is really challenging because mm-hmm. I, what I hear that someone that was continuously asking still selfish, like assurance and kind of being very thoughtful outside the bedroom, they kind of at times try translate that inside the bedroom and that can be that couldn't be as attractive obviously like we know how consent is important there are so many elements that are important in the bedroom but uh, sometimes people really at least like in a heterosexual relationship that's that's what i see most of my clients is that they really enjoy this feeling of surrender mm-hmm. and they find that uh, with their kind of like a very kind thoughtful guy that that transition doesn't happen and they know in the book you're talking about sex Sexual leadership. So please tell us more about sexual leadership. Well, sexual leadership is, I think of it as a mindset for a man. A lot of men are waiting for their woman to feel sexual in any given you know, day or night. And so, you know, it's kind of like, when's she going to, you know, start feeling sexual? And then they start getting resentful because it's not happening. Well, if, you're, if your woman doesn't feel sexual, it's probably because she's not feeling the connection between the two of you and she's not feeling your leadership in the relationship. And I, sexual leadership is, it's my role, part of my role, to lead her into her pleasure. It's not compel her, it's not force her, it's not demand or complain. How can I, as a man, lead my woman into her pleasure, into her sexual openness? And so in the book, I first write about more of the, 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 the precursors. How do I set up the conditions for her, for her body to open? And I go through a whole list of things that a man can do, you know, being the master of time in terms of, you know, let's say you want to be sexual in the morning when you both wake up. And she's like, well, I kind of got to get out of bed, I think. And so one thing a man can do, for instance, is say, okay, I'm going to set a timer for 20 minutes. We'll be sexual, you know, whatever, whatever the time frame is. And when that timer goes off, we'll get right out of bed and, all, and you can get on your way so you can get ready for work. Mm-hmm. So now she says, oh, you just set some structure. Now I can relax into that a little bit because I don't have to worry. But I, the woman, don't have to worry about time. I teach men all the time to set up the environmentals in, in the bedroom. If you want to, you want your woman to be sexual tonight, you know, send her to the bath and go light some candles, turn some music on, make sure the heat's warm enough and turn down the, turn down the lights, get the environmentals right. So there's a whole list of things that a man can do to kind of put the, put the environment in place, the conditions in place. So that's part of sexual leadership is setting up the environment. And then a lot about sexual leadership is knowing what you're doing and taking charge. So I need to know how to wake my woman's body up. You know, I don't just grab her by her genitals. You know, I need to understand how do I warm this woman up based on I've spent a lot of time with her. We've had a lot of sexual situations. What have I learned warms her up? You know, maybe she likes kissing. Maybe she likes a massage first, you know. And so learn how to slowly warm your woman's body up, you know. And again, it's like knowing what you're doing and knowing what she likes. And so I go through a lot of that into the bedroom. And then there's the kind of the, the, that latter phase that I think you're referring to, which is, which is when it's right and when it's appropriate, you start to take charge. 
and start to take her to her sexual edge a little bit. And so it could be as simple as, you know, taking her wrists and just, just gently put them behind her back where they, you know, they cross her wrists cross behind her back and say, keep your arms there. You know, you just, it's, it's, I mean, you didn't hear me yell. I just, I, in fact, I spoke quite softly, but I meant it, which was keep your arms back there. And it's a command. And that's where you start taking a woman to her se- sexual edge or at least towards it when you start giving these commands. So it's not like whips and chains and all this weird stuff that a lot of people think it is. It's about the art of command. And so I gave you, you know, one gentle example. Then you can take it even further. I mean, tell, me, tell me to stop here. I'll just keep going. Please, but, uh, please keep going. These are very relevant to our work. <laughs> yeah. And then you start to, to layer in things like dirty talk. And so I remember my own journey of going from being pretty constrained on what I would say to really tapping into some resources that taught me how to talk dirty. And so to be able to then quote unquote, talk dirty to your woman, I found to be, you know, it's very, very powerful. And you have to be skillful about it, but, and even then you can convey the love while you're commanding her, you know, while you're saying something very racy to her and you can still couple it with love. So it's not all about like porn dialogue. It can actually be really couched in a lot of love, but also that command. So these are the things that men need to get skilled at. They need to go and get some exposure to resources that will teach them these things. There's a phrase I put in the book is like, hey, men, don't confuse a woman who's not interested in sex with a woman who's not interested in the sex available to her. And so what I mean by that is men are like, oh, my, she just got rigid. She lost interest in sex. Well, no, she actually lost interest in the lame sex that you've been bringing to her, you know, to her. And so, you know, men, sexual leadership is learning what to do, tapping into resources, spending the time, and then putting it into place. Okay, I'll pause. pause. (laughs) No, I think this was all very relevant. And I feel protective of our male listeners because I feel like many of our listeners and many of men in, in the society, they never learned the skills like like it's okay for men to masturbate but they don't know how women's body work and i think being in a relationship magically will not resolve that issue so if you're unsure about where we stand with the skills where can they go Mm, well i I certainly have have made an offering in the book that i've Mm. written obviously so that's one and um, i am coming out with sometime in 2020 coming out with my own workshop of these dark and light energies that we're talking mm-hmm. about. Right now, I just do it in one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. in intensives with men. So I can teach that directly through my coaching. Mm-hmm. Sherry Winston's book is a great one. I think it's called Women's Anatomy, but just look up Sherry Winston. It's really good. You know, she's talking about just the anatomy of a woman, not even per se the sexual technique necessarily, but it's, uh, it's a really good place to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, no other resources come to mind at the moment. Uh, I'll have sometime this next month, rather, in July, I'll have a, on my website for sale uh, something on Dirty Talk, actually, and teaching you how to do that. But they're out there. Look them up. You know, you can. Uh, there's a BDSM workshop available in San Francisco by Cleo Dubois. You know, that was amazing for me when I did that. Uh, I learned a lot. And, and I don't have a dungeon here in my house, but I, but I take away those energies and my own, you know, people that I date. So those are some of the resources that I've tapped into. Well, we certainly interviewed lots of psychologists, experts on this topic, and they talked about kind of women's anatomy, as you mentioned, and how to kind of do seduction, all sorts of things. And I think it all started with giving yourself permission, of course, with kind of like talking. I think consent is at heart of everything we talk about, but permission to channel a different parts of you in the bedroom. Because I feel like at times people kind of 
feel like I, my partner wants someone more assertive and that's not who I am. But this kind of practicing flexibility is hard for them. Uh, so I think it's important to kind of have like giving yourself permission and have conversation with your partner about what works for her. But as I'm saying that, then how would you consider this ongoing communication kind of like being out of your core energy, kind of masculine energy or not? Oh, this is so core. So you, there were two things that you talked about. So number one, communication. Yeah, we all know that's key. One of the things I've done with partners is just, um, <laughs> it's sort of like there's the game and then there's practice. And the game is like, we are, we are being sexual. We are having a, a session of sexuality. But you can also do practice with your woman, you know, and just be like, hey, maybe I actually want to learn your body more. And I, I, as a woman, tell me if you agree with this, but I think most women, if they hear that, they're going to get really happy and excited. Like, oh, you want to learn my body? Because, you know, most of the women I've talked to are really sick of the over the years men not knowing how to handle their body. And it's just... You just feel violated, you know, not in a criminal way, but just like, you know, it's like, I love you, but you'd have no idea how to handle my body. So a man that says, baby, I, I just want to get to know your body. And I'd like to do that in a kind of a no pressure way. And then, you know, then you get in bed together and, you, you know, you try something and it's like, how does that feel to you? You know, and you can actually have a whole practice workshop with your woman. And all you have to do is say, baby, I, I, I kind of want to get to know your body more. I want to know how to pleasure you more. So that's what I recommend to any man to engage their partner in that. I do feel like men have to get a little less fragile. Like this is the other piece of the equation is, you know, we're very fragile. So if she says, ouch, we then take that an indictment on us. We think that, you know, we're not competent enough. Our erection disappears, you know, and it's just, it's bad all around. So, you know, we've got to get a little less fragile. And so you can, a man can do that through some of the embodiment work that, that, that I teach. Also other people teach embodiment work where you're developing that capacity to be less reactive to her dissatisfaction in a, in a sexual sense. So you can be, be more robust to it. So instead of like kind of cringing when she says, ouch, I didn't like that. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, baby. Okay, let me try again. You know, you just, you're able to stay present and robust. That's a core quality as you're learning your woman's body. You've got to be able to not fall apart when she expresses dissatisfaction. So that, that's, that's work that I do with men as well. Well, I think you brought up an excellent point. It's my experience with clients that I work with that they kind of sensitive, especially men with dis- disappointing their partners. Mm-hmm. And you're right that they don't. So women are at least again very kind of broad generalization. But it's my experience that women are more have more experience with relational aspect of things, and men they don't have necessarily as much experience with relational aspect of things at times. And this is a unique experience they had. So when they 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 hear their partner is disappointed, it kind of brings up the original wound of their parents getting disappointed at them and it's yes. going to be very devastating so I'm glad that you are teaching them to uh, kind of sit with that discomfort and at times the situation is disappointing and doesn't mean that you are you are disappointing so it's just about the context so I wonder that uh, some of our listeners at this point are kind of wondering if I am not in my masculine core what are some of the I know in the book you talked about some of the signs that were men that are in a relationship mm. and if they're experiencing that that would indicate that they're not in their masculine core yeah she's going to be irritable more often she's going to be critical more often uh and she'll be less interested in sex i mean if i could just keep it short Mm -hmm. like those are the three things um that you'll notice the most and 
you know, I don't know a man who doesn't go through some phases where it's like, wow, she's really critical of me. You know, even just the little things. I One of my clients that I just talked to this morning, you know, she was, they had this dynamic where he was not in his power. Um, and, uh, you know, she would say things like, you've got food in your, in your beard, you know, and she would do it with a disgust. You heard me. And why are you driving so fast? You know, like really saying things and really cutting a lot of disgust in the voice, like that's what you're going to get. And so men, you know, if you see these three symptoms, don't get fixated on whatever she's talking about, because really the, the issue is not, is rarely ever the issue, if you know what I mean by that. And uh, so, but if you see these symptoms, men, ask yourself, okay, I'm going to quit blaming this on her. Am I leading her and am I loving her? You know, which means am I really bringing a lot of masculine energy and do I tend to the connection between the two of us? And the answer is usually no when you see those three symptoms. Well, is it possible that now I, I wonder that so there are reasons that one person in a relationship could be irritable and has nothing to do with the person, the other person. So maybe like, you know, things going on at work, things going on at different aspects of life, or as we know, both men and women, they're experiencing kind of like a being an abusive relationship. So how can one know if it's their issue or it's the other person's problem? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, Cause you're right. It's not a, it's not a diagnosis for all such symptoms. Here's what I tell men, you know, because a lot of men will say that they'll be like, no, no, this is really her. And the, the, the reason I steer away from that thinking is because it's too, it's a, it's a, it's a bypass for men. As long as they think that she's just grumpy, you know, then, it, then it's not about them. So I just tell men, just assume it's about you just for now. You learn to, you develop your masculine core. You bring your best over some extended period of time. You know, if after that, she's not responding to you, then you've got, you're sort of on, I don't want to say it like this, but I will. You're sort of got, you're on the higher ground of like, you know what, maybe this is her. Maybe we're, maybe this is not a good fit. But until as a man, until you bring it, until you really bring it for an extended period of time to try to wash away all the prior sins, then I don't, I don't recommend thinking of, you know, other reasons why it might be, but if you bring it for an extended period of time and she's still, still not responding, it may be time for that talk. Well, what I think uh, what you're saying that's very helpful is like when we are blaming the other person for our problem, it's such a disempowering place to be because you have no control about changing the other person. But regardless of what kind of a relationship you are, at least I guess most of it beside the kind of abusive relationships or like DV situations that when we change our dance, our relationship changes. Maybe it's not going to be enough to change the entire dynamic that Mm -hmm. you are kind of feeling stuck in but it will shift that so and also as you said like you can this is kind of you can practice a different part of yourself that can be useful for all aspects of your life mm-hmm. yeah well tell us what is this kind of you talked about masculine blueprint can you tell us a little bit more about that mm, well let's see i've already forgotten how much i said it before <laughs> so this could be a repetition so let me just just quickly even at the risk of repeating myself if i do you know, respond versus react. So this, my antidote for this, or my, my, you know, diagnosis for this is first and foremost, an embodiment practice, a daily embodiment practice for men. And this is the number one thing for, for my own development and a lot of the men that I work with. 
and I, I go through a whole chapter on some of the embodiment. I'm about to, I think I already said I was going to come out with an online course. Okay. I talk about state of threat. You know, we are at our worst when, when we're in a state of threat. And you as a, as a practicing psychologist, you know, this is as well as anybody, you know, we go into that state of threat and, and we lose our, our presence, our attunement, our, our self-awareness, our creativity, our humor. We just, you know, and we're, we're reacting from our worst place. Even I, who teach this stuff, when I go into a state of threat, I am at my worst and I'm not even taking my own advice if I'm, so the trick is how do I not get into that state? And that's where the embodiment is because you're going below the, the cognitive, you're going below the circumstances into the nervous system and you're training the nervous system to take it down a notch. So that is what I recommend for men. Um, also getting in touch with your emotions, which I know is extremely cliche, but in the book I, I give my, it's, it's sort of a masculine angle on emotions and you know, how can a man be in his emotions but still be powerful. And so I'm very focused on that in the chapter. Setting up direction, provide structure is the second part of the blueprint. And this is bringing clarity and direction. And so, you know, I, it could be simply, uh, the most simple example I always give is, is going to dinner, you know, instead of saying, hey, baby, you know, we're, where do you want to go tonight? You know, because I'm just deferring this decision to you by asking you. And I may think I'm being kind, but I'm not providing any kind of structure for you. So instead, I say, you know, baby, I looked up two places that I've, that I've wanted to go to. You know, I looked up, they have reservations both at eight o'clock. Which one of these appeals to you? So what I've done is I've taken sort of the wide open world of possibilities and shrunk it down into, into two, maybe three choices. Now you don't have to think about the wide open world of possibilities. You can just relax, look at the two choices and you say A or B, or you can say, I don't like either of those, but I've simplified the world for you. So you can just, it's one less decision you have to make. You who's been, you know, out in the world, making things happen all day long. I've taken one thing off your plate by providing the structure. And then also it's not just choosing the restaurant. It's like, okay, well, I, baby, I also looked up the weather. It's going to be about 55 degrees. So you're going to need a jacket. I brought an umbrella because there's about a 50% chance of rain and I've dialed the Uber. So I've taken care of everything. So just be ready in 10 minutes, you know? So now I've created structure. I've set direction. I've handled a number of things. Like these are the types of things that a man can bring to his relationship that really can help his feminine partner relax mm -hmm. and relax into his direction, at least for the evening. And then the extension of that could be even more so like, baby, be ready at seven with the brown dress that you know I love. Mm. And I'm taking you out. No, nope, I'm not going to tell you where I've already chose. You know, and so you could even take it where you, you, you're a little bit more directive so you can play with that continue. So that's, that's provides structure. And I could go on and on, but just read the chapter of the book. And there's some great examples. Well, thank you for sharing those things. And you're right that it's so thoughtful, but as you said, firm and kind of assertive, that doesn't, who can say no to someone's being so thoughtful, but that's definitely, it's very different and kind of toxic masculinity, the kind of message that we hear in the society. And I know in the book, you said, like you, you talked about your reaction to it. So I recommend this book for people who are the messages resonate with them and they want to learn more about it please tell us where can people find you if they're interested about the content that you're providing yeah, yeah it's certainly going on amazon to buy the book and then my website gsyoungblood.com is uh you get on my mailing list you can learn about new products coming out i've got some videos on there the daily practice embodiment online course will be up by the end of the summer and um, I think that's the best way, you know, getting on the mailing list is sort of the easiest way to, uh, to, uh, to learn about new things. And then online intensives and coaching, you can learn about it up there as well. Wonderful. So I'll make sure we leave a link in the show notes so they can find you. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your life work with us. Mm, my pleasure. Thank you. 
I hope you found our conversation useful and gave you good information about what can you do to change some of the patterns in your relationship that is not working. As I shared with you as I was reading G.S. Youngblood's book, I had at times pauses to think about whether it would work for me or not, because as he describes, I would imagine I would fit the bill for strong women. I think the parts about sex and sexuality is very interesting and powerful, but I wonder if in the relationship, how would that unfold for me and people like me? Ever since we had this conversation, I recommended book to a few of the clients that I have, and they found it the content useful for their relationship. So I'm kind of curious to see, what do you think about this approach? You can let me know. You can find me at Instagram, at Sexology Podcast. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.